Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Worldwide Knicks Playoff Edition, right? So we are running longer this year than we ran last year. If you guys remember, we took a little bit of a break after the Knicks were eliminated from uh, from playoff contention, but still going strong. Uh, It's me and Rafa tonight. Alex is preparing for final exams. Uh, as if you guys don't know, Alex is a teacher. He does He is not a full time podcaster. So, and none of us are full time podcasters. But you know, so uh, he is absent today. Uh, but me and Rafa are gonna hold it down. Talk about a couple things. So we're gonna kind of put a bow on the Cleveland series because last time we guys talked, uh, they had not won Game Five yet. Uh, we're gonna talk about the game that was yesterday, which was uh, Game One against the Heat. By the time this comes out, you'll be getting ready for game two. So hopefully we'll provide you some of that preparation. Uh, then we'll talk about the outlook for the series against Miami. And then kind of close it out on some high-profile Nick fans. And if we want to wel- welcome them back into the fray. So without further ado, Rafa, how how we doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing good. I mean, my, te- my teams are in the second round of the playoffs. It's absolutely unheard of. Like If you guys like don't American know. American teams. Rafa yeah, is well North American teams. Rafa, let's clarify. Yeah. Rafa is also a hockey yeah, yeah. fan, and his his hockey team is the Toronto Maple Leafs, who just advanced past the first round for the first time in 19 years. I think Rafa, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I wasn't sure. I, I knew it was like in the in the upper teens there. Um, but 19 years, yeah. similar to the Knicks in 10 year drought uh, since the playoff series win. So Rafa's feeling good. You know, he he's feeling yeah, good. Yeah, right? man. It's. I don't know how to to act really. It's uh kind of kind of weird having teams in the second round. It's like it's you know it isn't. <laughs> when we were um so this happened to me with the Giants this past year. Now obviously the Giants are a little bit different because I've witnessed two Super Bowl wins in my lifetime. But you know they've been yeah, bad we, for about 6 7 years, right? So it had been a while since I was used to them competing in a playoff game. And so when they got to the playoffs I was I was very happy obviously. But then they won a playoff game. And I was just like, I didn't know how to react because it hadn't happened in so long. And it was the same thing with the Knicks. You know, when they beat Cleveland game five, I refused to allow myself <laughs> to get excited when they were just because they had a wire to wire victory there, like really. And in, into the second quarter, you kind of knew what was about to happen. But I, I just yeah. couldn't allow myself to to go there. And like you, you know, you and I were in our Knicks group chat and. And they were all like, oh, could we put a bow on it now? Put a bow on it now? And I'm just like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do that yet until it's final. And that's just kind of you used to things going wrong with this team. And I'm sure that's the same case for the Maple Leafs as well. It's worse. It's the <laughs> the Maple Leafs are the absolute. It's the worst. It's it, it's yeah. there's no comparison to how ridiculous it can be. It's uh, you know, giving up three goal leads in the, with 10 yeah. minutes left in game seven. It's like uh the funny thing about it is um anybody i know because you know i live in in detroit and we're you know pretty big hockey city here red wings have a pretty big following yeah. and uh obviously another original six franchise and this is off the rails already but that's fine uh so like no. you will have that's why we need alex that's why we need yeah, alex basically keep us on, the, on the on the on the stream but like yeah you'll have people who are just kind of like uh, look at the maple leafs as a joke and it's kind of the same way that people look at the Knicks. You know, it's kind of like a, they're kind of similar in that way, you know, which is kind of ironic that you're a fan of both teams. You know, I'm sure unbeknownst to you when you, when you became a fan, but, you know, it's just kind of interesting, right? Yeah, I, I think I one of the early episodes, I, I well, I think it was the first we, we talked about. It's their history, Maple Leafs, Knicks, and even Benfica, the, 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 the soccer team I, I follow, 
it's the same history basically. Mm. Obviously, I didn't know this, but they all tied up. Great sixties, the 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 sixties and seventies were were great, and then pain and suffering for a bit of the a bit of, for some years, and now uh, picked up again. So without me knowing, I chose the three teams that give more pain in the world, basically. Yeah. Well, it, it, your attachment to history makes a lot of sense, considering you know what you do for work, yeah, you know, yeah. which which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so, well. um, but enough of that. Let's let's jump into. <laughs> Uh, recapping or kind of putting a bow on this Cavs series. So like we had mentioned uh, a couple times now, the Knicks beat the Cavs in five, you know, and I look like an idiot. All the ESPN people look like idiots for picking Cavs in six or seven. uh, And the Knicks took them in five. I I thought for sure, I think me and Alex consecutive weeks said, this is going to be a long series. It's going to be a long series, but it wasn't a long series, you know, and it was a five game series. And quite frankly, after game two, uh, when the Cavs, you know, kind of blew the Knicks off the floor over there in Cleveland, the Knicks took control. They took care of business at the Garden and then went into Cleveland in game five and took care of business again. You know, didn't even trail in that game at all. It's... So, you know, I guess kind of looking back now, obviously we're on to the Heat series and and all that. And we'll get to them in a second. But it's the first time in a decade that the Knicks have won a playoff series, of course, dating back to the Carmelo Anthony era. So for you, like, how big of a deal was that for you as a Knicks fan to finally kind of taste that little bit of playoff success? I mean, I believe it's well. You can maybe relate that to that better as a, an older fan. Yeah. But to me, I mean, it's uh, so many long nights of bad basketball watching the Knicks, and finally we can get some relevant Knicks basketball. It's I mean, we were talking right before recording. It, it it's a bit emotional, and it's a first round win. I mean, it's crazy how attached can you get to a team, and so how, how much you struggle with that team, and have a little bit of success um, to be this enjoyable. I mean, it, it, I mean, the more you suffer, the the best is the reward. This is, um, but yeah, it's man, like it's, wine, uh, it Rafa. Always... You know, the longer it ferments, yeah. the better it tastes. You know, yeah. I mean, with it, yeah, but it's. I was obviously really happy. I was. Uh, the game was done. Uh, I think it was almost three a.m. here in, uh, in 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 Portugal, and I was like, "How am I gonna get asleep? I'm not going to sleep tonight." And I was. I was here. I was just l- listening to music, listening to Nick's songs, just just buzzing, um, pacing <laughs> back and forth. I even woke up my wife. She was like. Aren't you going to sleep? And I, I was like jumping. I can't. I can't. Like shout, shout out Maria, man, for, for for putting up with uh, this fandom, right? You know, shout out to Maria oh for sure. God. Um, it's. I mean, but she she had this joke. Uh, I was. Uh, oh, the game. The Knicks play today, and she was like, "So the Knicks lose today?" I was like, "Come on, it's like." A... <laughs> so it's part of the daily routine as well, man. And it's uh, with the Knicks and watching the games and success it's not like you can look into the news and nicks it's not nicks are a joke it's not mm-hmm. for the first time in many many years it's not a joke it's not talked about dolan about t- firing this guy and the other trade right. this and that i mean it's finally positive you know, news that you can actually enjoy that fan the fan reaction to some of this stuff though has kind of been indicative of the way we're wired because you already you're in the middle of a playoff series and people were talking about uh, about uh, trades in the offseason, 
you know, and it was just like, guys, let's get to the offseason first. We're still playing, you know, and like we, we're still yeah. in the tournament, you know, and uh, but kind of doubling back to, you know, a couple of things you said, you know, this being a fan of this team, if you're I want to say if you're like in between the ages of 20 and like 45, you know, is incredibly difficult because we haven't really had a lot of success and we've had failed acquisition, failed draft pick, failed coach, failed GM, failed president, you know, the, the whole Dolan stuff, which is, you know, you know, uh, I'll give him credit at this point. He's kind of stayed out of it. And, um, but, but yeah, you, you know, it's hard. You deal, you're the butt of every joke. You're the headline of every article or video. You're, you're, you are the headline of a clickbait, uh, piece of media because they know people click on stuff that's about the Knicks because they generally want to laugh at the Knicks. But the Knicks over the past few years have built a competent organization that doesn't leak information, that doesn't have scandal, that drafts and develops their players well, that makes smart free agent acquisitions. And we see that with Jalen Brunson. We've seen it with the way that Julius Randle's contract has aged, quite frankly. We see that in R.J. Barrett's extension. We see that in the drafting of Quickly and Grimes and Toppin. Uh, even Jericho Sims, you know, is a, is another guy who's who's shown promise. Um, and so when you go into this series, you know, you expect the worst and you expect them to fall on their face and be the joke that we're, we've been trained to know, think that they are. Right. And then they win, you know, and convincingly, you know, and without major injuries to the opposition, like there's no asterisk, you know, to the series win. If anything, we get would have gotten the asterisk because of Julius Randle's injury. You know, and exactly, you know, you got and the greatest thing about it is like the guy who you gave the keys to Jalen Brunson, he showed up the guy you just extended this offseason that you could have traded for Donovan Mitchell, by the way, in R.J. Barrett. Yeah, he shows up the last three games of the series. Um, You got good defense from another guy you drafted in Emmanuel quickly, you know, and you got amazing frontline play from Mitchell Robinson, who you drafted as well, the longest current tenured Nick, like we've mentioned before. And you got really good contribution from Isaiah Hartstein, uh, who you just acquired in a good deal in free agency. So the Knicks are, are like, they're a competent team. They're a team that we're proud of now, which is such a even weird the, feeling, you know? Even trades. Look, two years ago, was Derek Rose acquired him, and it was mm -hmm. a massive boost. Look at now Josh Hart, how amazing he has been for this team. I mean, it's... Uh, you can say that, obviously you can say that for a lot of players, but without Josh Hart, I don't think we are, I don't think we are a fifth seed and I don't think we are a, 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 in the second round. Yeah. It's, uh, Josh Hart was that much of a, a boost. It's, uh, yeah, it's been, been incredible. amazing. Those, yeah. Yeah, it's trades that actually work. Okay, we're going to get better with this trade. This trade makes sense. Let's do it. Instead of, we need the guy, uh, uh, that guy's available. Get him. It's it's long gone. It's long gone. The panic things, the, the panic trades, the, the, the panic signings just to try and get something going. It's, I mean, it's good. It's great. It's, yeah, it's a, a, a new life. Uh, again, people shit on Dolan all the time, but Dolan has been hiring guys that promised him best, the best Knicks ever, and they couldn't deliver. Phil Jackson is still getting paid by the Knicks. It's <laughs> a catastrophe. And now we get, okay, let's try it with this now. Let's give him time. It's uh, the coach not changing coach every, sec every second because it's not a hot seat. It's we're actually building, trying to build something. So 
Yeah, I mean, you it's, know, uh, how many coaches did wanna... Mallow had, for example? Fifty. Right. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to throw out uh, something funny that happened yesterday. So. Uh, you like me, Rafa, you know, we both subscribe to League Pass. We both watch mostly every game. I like I try to watch every game live. If I don't, I'm watching it in the, in the morning. I'm just like I'm in it. Right. You're in it as well. You know, even more so because you're staying up super late to watch the game. And I'm so at halftime, I actually went to meet up with a friend of mine at a bar uh, to grab me some dinner. And then we we're going to uh, the USFL game in downtown Detroit after. So we're at, the, we're at the bar. They have the game on, of course. I said, I'm not going anywhere if they don't have the Knicks game. You know, so uh, uh, so we go there and, um, you know, we're watching. Uh, and me, when I'm in a public place, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm cooled out, you know, making my little like reactions, not none too crazy. And you got these people and they're like, you know, talking about the Knicks in the background. There's like, oh, I hate the Knicks, hate Knicks fans are so annoying, blah, blah. And, you know, they go on and on and on. And you could tell these people just like don't watch this team, you know, like they just are going off the the memory and be for, for people like us who are super, super invested. And I'm not saying everybody has to be a diehard fan or watch every single game or subscribe to league pass. You know, it's not feasible for everybody, but being able to kind of watch this team, watch them through Julius Randall's first year, RJ Barrett's rookie season, just how, how bad that was the years prior when we were like getting guys like Emmanuel Moutier and hoping for the best Trey Burke, hoping for the best, you know, it's just, you know, it was, it was hard. And this now is the reward that we get for that perseverance. Uh, But I do want to just get one last thing on this Cleveland thing before we move on to talk about Miami, which is, I guess, what was your like biggest takeaway that you got from this series? My, I mean, I'm looking at looking at this, and I think you might agree with with uh, with this. What we're seeing not only on this series with the the Knicks and the Cavs, around the playoffs, basically every in every playoff matchup, the team with the most experience, mm-hmm. even if they're not the most talented, the the best team, the most experienced team advanced. Not saying the Knicks are experienced, but comparing to the Cavs. Like they played ex- to me exactly like we played against the Hawks, against our, how mm-hmm. our kids played against the Hawks. Donovan Mitchell remind me a lot of uh, uh, of Julius Randle against that in that series, like trying and then just nothing working. It's not worth. It's not worth it. And he disconnected a bit. Garland struggled. Mobley struggled. Everybody struggled under the. Jerry Allen said the the lights were too bright. I mean, why would you say that? Like. I mean, do you, maybe do you understand how bad of a comment that is. It is bad, but at least maybe we need a little bit more of that. Like, okay, I wasn't good. The lights were too bright to me. I need to focus and be better. Mm-hmm. I, I see it as a comment like that. I mean, mm-hmm. he's the same guy that went into the press conference and said, oh, we played really good defense. Apparently not. Like, it's the same guy. Like, it's a. Uh, uh, Different league, different play, different types of players. Players don't they say what they want, if their feelings, right, right. whatever. It's a, a different thing. Um, I don't take that poorly, but it's they struggle with it with the game. They struggle at MSG. Brunson had playoff experience with the, the Dallas was uh, in when in Dallas, especially when uh, Doncic went went out. He had that experience. Um, I mean, 
Mitch had a, everyone had a bit of experience and they knew, okay, it's playoffs. We've been here. Let's do this again. Let's do this properly. And the Cavs, I think, felt that pressure a bit. And the the, the Lakers, they beat the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, experience. It's Warriors over the Kings last night. Yeah, exactly. Experience, but all these teams will be better next year. And now I think that the this series between the the Heat and the Knicks. It's the same thing. The most experienced team. You saw how Kyle Lowry just went off. Experienced player that all the tricks in the the uh, in the in his bag just to get get it uh, controlled. It's a learning experience to the Knicks as well. So that's my biggest takeaway of these playoffs, entire playoffs. That how important the playoff experience playing in these moments means to players. Man, I like, threw you up. I threw you up a lob, hoping you were going to wax poetic about RJ. And you didn't take the lob. So no. I'm going to go ahead and no. pull it back. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about RJ. So my biggest takeaway is the ascension of RJ Barrett. So we signed him to an extension. You and I were both advocates of that deal. We even said, hey, give him the max, yeah. whatever. You know, so they get him on a good deal. And throughout the regular season, he 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 had ups and downs. He wasn't, you know, amazing, you know, but he still had his moments, right? He played so well in the end, like the last three games of this series. Aggressive. The playmaking was there. The defense was there. And the shot making was getting better, you know. And we saw, and I was like, okay, is this, you know, for for a long time now, I've been saying the Knicks either need RJ to be the third star or they need to go out and get a third star or a second star and if Julius is the third, whatever. Point is, you have to have three high-level players with Jalen and Julius. And he showed, I don't want to be too premature. They still have a series to play, obviously, with Miami, which we're going to get to in a second here. But he he showed you, he's like, hey, I can be that. You know, I can be that guy who you can rely upon in in money time, in the playoffs when, you know, when, like, legacies are forged and, and all that. I could be that guy. I'm blue chip, R.J. Barrett from Duke, number one high school player, played for my national team at 19 years old. You know, that whole thing, that guy. And, you know, I think it kind of changes the calculation for this team moving forward a little bit, right? Because if he is indeed that guy and you think Julius is a building block and you know Jalen is, then they're probably making some sort of move to, you know, get more, more, more veteran presence for, you know, playoff time and, and building around those three guys, you know, basically getting what Memphis lacked, which allowed them to lose to, to the Lakers. And that's my biggest takeaway. It's like, he's been a revelation at at the beginning of the series. I was like, Hey, he's the key, right? Like if he has a good series, they'll win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's what we, we all thought. Right. And he had a great series and they won. It's even more impressive how he turned up in a moment where a guy who's been, everybody was talking to uh, Emmanuel quickly took a nosedive. It's he's had a bad playoff. Mm -hmm. If yeah, he has offensively, Horrible. Uh, Tibbs went with him last night, tried to get another ball handler, but he cannot make a shot. He cannot handle the ball or create, but we'll we'll get to that. I mean, obviously, I will agree with uh, RJ Barrett praise, obviously. <laughs> I mean, but this... And people say, oh, because it, especially the, it's good that happened, this happened with Randall on the floor, even yeah. a hobbled Randall, but with Randall on the floor. I mean... 
game five, uh, Randall started out really well, and Archie was still getting his, and Brunson was still getting his as well. So I think this was the plan all along to begin the season. But RJ had just, again, played himself out of that role. Yeah. And quickly played a, played, played a bit into that role as well, the sixth man and all that. All, all that. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, I love – I said it before. I mean, even in games one and two, I don't think his shooting was bad. He wasn't finishing. But I still love the way he played defense, how he played. I was play, he was playmaking around here. I, I love that from him. It's – we we said it before the series. If he can be a playmaker, that will help. And he was that, and added the finishing, which is uh, well pretty good. He was finishing. He was doing whatever he wanted in that calf series. Ended up doing that. Um, he didn't have. He had a, a pretty good uh, first half against the, the the Heat as well. So that continue that continuing into the 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 next round and the next uh, player uh, team you play against. It's even more encouraging because it, I was a little bit, and everybody was a little bit. Mm. RJ continues this against the. Apparently, well, he did shot fifty percent again from the field, which is yep. he's being efficient inside. He's being efficient inside, which is all we ask for. But uh, to the future, like DP said it last 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 episode, and we kind of we all kind of know that it's the fit is weird between Randall, mm. RJ, and Brunson, especially if they can't shoot. If they can shoot, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But if if they can shoot, especially RJ and Randall, if they can be consistent three point shooters, it's a problem. But um, I think it will. RJ will improve his shot. Randall will continue. And for this. the record, he, he Rafa, well, well, yeah. For the record, yeah. RJ's improving his three point shot, quote unquote. You just shoot what Randall shoots, and you you're you're infinitely better. You know, like, yeah, absolutely. like Randall this year was like 35, 36% from three. That's really all we need in that term. Like, this is a bad shooting team, like which we're going about to talk about in a second against my, uh, about the Miami series. The Knicks are, aren't a good shooting team. You know, quickly streaky, top and streaky, Randall streaky, Barrett streaky, everybody streaky, you know, like from beyond the arc. And uh, so that's something they deal with. But if you get RJ to go from that 31, 32%, which I think he's at this year, uh, to that 35, 36 range, you know, you don't even need him to be at that 40 from a couple years ago. Uh, it's You just have him at that, and this team is infinitely more dynamic on offense. And uh, and I think he's getting there. Like, we have, we've kind of, I think, 95% of the time been a very positive RJ podcast as a whole. And... Yeah. Like we criticize him when he deserves to be criticized, but uh, at the end of the day, this is a guy that there's a reason they took him with a third overall pick. You know that this was no fluke. Over Garland, over Garland, right? Over and who there, showed up in the yeah. series. You know, and 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 so we're hoping to see it more against Miami. Uh, you mentioned we saw it in the first half a bit. I, I'm not going to lie to you, Rob. I'm watching this this first half. I was like, oh, RJ's going to drop forty. Okay. You know, like I thought that, you know, and you know, of course it didn't happen that way. But uh, but so uh, that brings us to that series. So the Knicks draw the heat, which was a surprise, you know, a huge upset in the first round for an eight seed to beat the number one seed Bucks in five games. Nonetheless, uh, that yeah. that game five was insane. I, I was actually watching it because it was right after the Knicks had clinched. I, like you, couldn't fall asleep. So I was watching uh, the end of that game and the end of the Warriors-Kings uh, game. And 
Jimmy Butler was just magnificent in that series, um, especially the last two games. And, you know, we played them in game one yesterday afternoon, ended up losing 108 to 101. Knicks struggled um, from three-point range. I think they were seven of 34 or something like that. Um, Bronson didn't make a single three. Uh, obviously, no Randall, you know, so we started Obi. Obi, I, I don't know if you noticed this, Rafa, most threes taken in the game alongside Gabe Vincent. Um, yeah, 11. 11 three-point attempts, yeah. His five for 11. I mean, it wasn't atrocious, you know, like. Is it five? I think it was or four, four. Four, I'm sorry, four, five. four. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, four for 11, sorry. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's not great, but, you know, if he makes one more, you're like, oh, that's a pretty good shooting night, you know, so. Uh, yeah. But I guess what is what was your reaction to the to that game and, and how it unfolded? Uh, well, adjustments. Mm. And Spolster is a hell of a coach as well. He's no beaker staff. Yeah. That's for sure. And you kind of saw the adjustments and we couldn't make a shot to save our lives. It was ridiculous, man. How we, how many threes did we made that game? It was like, uh, RJ had one, quickly had one, grab uh, seven, eight seven, threes yeah. that entire game. Seven of ridiculous. 34. <laughs> seven of, 20, of 34. That's insane. And that's the second half, beginning of the second half, the third quarter. We only shoot threes. It was ridiculous. I mean, mm -hmm. Everybody's saying, oh, the, the, that's the shot that he was were, were giving us. Well, Brunson and RJ were fighting the open man because those threes were wide open. Obi had wide open threes. Brunson had wide open. RJ, uh, uh, quickly. I mean, we're, we're shooting air balls. We're shooting short, long, to the left, to the right. It's It was incredibly bad. And, well, if the if our team was shooting that bad, well, let's continue backing him the paint. Let's mm -hmm. kill every time they they get uh, kill the guy who's uh, penetrating, killing R.J. Barrett, killing Jalen Brunson with no calls whatsoever from the referees. Um, I mean, obviously, if you shot the ball well, we don't we we would the referees weren't a conversation even. But uh, but yeah, it was a little to me. It was a little mm, some of those calls, but um, I mean. We we didn't exactly play a bad game. Brunson, both Brunson and RJ were around the uh, possible triple double, but uh, so they were. They to, one has twenty six, the other had twenty five, something like that. So they showed up. Uh, Obi had eighteen points, but he couldn't get inside. It was just from outside, from outside shooting basically, and I mean, no one else showed up to help offensively. That's a game where. You needed, especially Emmanuel, quickly to be in that game offensively to do something, a floater, a mid mid range, something else. I mean, we kind of fell short. I think we needed Randall a bit. Yeah, I mean, we we and not only we did did we need Randall, we need the second unit to be put back together. To start Grimes, to have Randall in it, it's not an having asking for Randall is not a a, a knock on what uh, Obi has done. It's we need that second unit to be effective again, like the first unit was effective. That's what gave us the series against the Cavs. The second unit minutes were great, and 
yeah, man, we fell a bit short uh, because we couldn't make a shot from deep. It's uh, the history. It's it's not something new. Like right. Alex said in the uh, t today, it's uh, well, the scouting report against the Knicks is not long. Make them shoot threes; they can't hit him. So it's disappointing to lose in that fashion. You know, you we feel I feel like we had opportunity to win, mm -hmm. even with the adjustments. I feel like we could have done a, a little bit more, but. But the shot wasn't falling, and then especially uh, our more RJ than uh, than Brunson tried to force it inside against everyone on the Heat. It was in the in the game, and well, he couldn't convert. And we and then Jimmy Butler twists his knee, uh, his knee, his ankle, and nobody attacks Jimmy Butler. Which to me was how like mm -hmm. we were setting screens to get him away from the ball, like. What are we doing? I mean, are we playing? It's the, what is this fair play mode? Fair play mode. Oh, <laughs> it's why why wouldn't we attack Jimmy Butler? Yeah, yeah. In that moment, it's whoever offense on Jimmy Butler. It, it has to be. I mean, and uh, man, I don't know. It's uh, a bit disappointing. I'm still positive this will be a, a seven game series, hmm. but we could have had it. It was. So close. You know, I, you said it earlier. He, Spolstra is no bigger staff. Bigger staff didn't know what to do with the Knicks. And Spolstra does. So he is, he's been to multiple NBA finals, you know, with and without LeBron for the record, you know, and uh, he, he knows what he's doing. He's a great coach. He's probably one of the best we have in the league uh, today. So, you first you gotta pay that due respect there. And cause you look at this roster, man, the guys that they're whipping out here, like there's no reason they should probably even be in the playoffs with that roster. But they're so well coached and they're so like they just kind of claw around, hang around, and then all of a sudden, here you go, they're up one nothing in the second round series. And yes, the shots have to fall. It's bad. You know, there's a lot of open looks, a lot of misses. Josh Josh Hart airballed a couple corner threes, you know, and you know that wasn't great. And to the Randall point, I think that's the biggest takeaway is that you you yeah. you didn't have Randall who has dominated the Heat this year, and it shows because if you have Randall, he's gonna attract a little bit of gravity from Bam Adebayo at the rim, right? So with Obi, he doesn't have that fear. You know, he's just like, oh, he's just going to kind of float around the three-point line. They could stick Kevin Love on him, whatever. Whereas with Julius, Kevin Love will probably get abused by uh, by Julius. So you kind of would need to shade Bam over that way. And without that, they haven't been able to do it. And, you know, the Knicks, we know they're not good enough to kind of overcome multiple injuries kind of thing, right? And they're kind of like a, like a chain, right? If you have one bad link in the chain, it, all the rest is going to fall apart. And you don't have Julius, so you, as a result, take Obi off the second unit, and you've taken Josh Hart off that second unit because Quentin Grimes is still kind of coming back in his legs back from his injury. And they just couldn't get it done. RJ had a great first half. Bad game from Brunson overall. He's just like just a bad game from him. And, and then Kyle Lowry, he kind of had a coming-out party. You know, and we were kind of joking about him going into the series, but, you know, it's no joke now. I mean, he had probably the best game he's had as a Miami Heat player, you know, and. Doris Burke was annoying me so much with that <laughs> love about I mean, 
Oh my God, that was so annoying, man. That Kyle Lowry farted. Doris Burke would be, oh my God, it's amazing fart. Look at this. The, the volume, the noise. It, it's, it was absolutely, oh my God, disgusting. Sorry, I just needed to. Yeah, to, I was oh. I was hoping you would get a little, a little Doris Burke shot in there, you know, so. <laughs> I like her. I I, I usually yeah, like, I like to listen to her, but yeah. this was way too much, man. The whole game, like, oh look at this! Oh, amazing defense from the Gabe Vincent. He did this, did that, this, mm-hmm. and that, and the other. He committed a foul. <laughs> it's a bad no. I mean, things like this. It was uh, um, I hated that. Okay, but. You know, Doris, you know, she grew up in uh, the tri-state area. I think she grew up a Knicks fan. And sometimes I wonder when she calls Knicks games, if she kind of overcorrects the other way, you know, like is it maybe overly complimentary of the other team? Just so knowing like people accuse Breen of being a Nick guy all the time because he calls games for MSG. And uh, which you know I vehemently disagree with. Mike Breen's like the most professional announcer we've ever seen. But, um, you know, the funny thing about Doris too is like I think whenever Julius plays, she's very complimentary of Julius. Like she loves Julius, you know. I've noticed uh, about her, you know. Yeah, so, uh, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, I just think she likes certain players, and I think Lowry especially is one of those players, which is fine. You know, I'm not. I don't get too mad about that. She, and, a, she and Alex would have a nice dinner over how good Kyle Lowry is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, I mentioned this in the group chat. Alex uh, has a little bit of a tough time. Two of his favorite players play for the Heat, you know, Jimmy Butler and uh, and Kyle Lowry. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, like you had mentioned, Rafa, you know, I think there's going to be a long series, um, which kind of uh, brings us into the outlook for the remainder of the series. So going into this, I thought the Knicks could win this in six games. I think you did. Were you feeling the same way going in or were you thinking seven or? I was always feeling seven. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know how. I think six games was a little bit. Uh, I was more a seven man, a seven game man. Mm-hmm. So, after this first game, is your confidence in that pick wavering a little bit? Where you think the Heat are gonna, you know, take this series instead? Oh, uh, I think it's a seven game series. I don't know. That thing. Are I talking about at the, at the top about the experience? Of the players, I think this go, can go game seven, and I wouldn't be surprised that in that game seven, the the Heat could take it, like that expi- that little experience level gets it done. Like you, you know what I'm saying? It's mm, we got the game seven, this pressure of game seven for the young Knicks, and uh, ah, we failed. It's uh, well, we failed this time, but next time we get it. So. I want the Knicks to win, obviously, mm-hmm. but I, it has that the touch of the playoffs. It's been experience over, uh, the, well, the the rookies. Let's say it's called like that in the playoffs. So I'm a bit skeptical in this, and uh, uh, we don't have a Kyle Lowry. Oh, Brunson is our closer. Yeah, he's our closer, but we don't have that experienced guy like Kyle Lowry, like Kevin Love, experienced in the playoffs, champions. You know, been to the finals. It, it's so it's um. It's tough. I think we're uh, if Randall can come back in, if uh, obviously Jimmy Butler is uh, hobbled as well. Yeah, uh, if that injury know. is serious, this this series is probably 
not going to go very long, to be quite frank, because he's everything they do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's he's been he was a, a a big part and him being out there. That was the thing. Jimmy Butler was out there and he still we still had uh, he was in movie and we still had Josh Hart. Maybe I don't know if that was the the move to make there, but it's it's the game plan. But whatever, it's uh, if Jimmy's Jimmy Butler's injury is uh bad, yeah, it can be a, a little bit quicker. I think he will play just like Randall will play game two because I, I don't think I think it's I said it if we lose game one, Randall is absolutely playing absolutely. game two. There's mm-hmm. no way he he isn't playing, and I think we take game two. They, they can take game three, but we come back at game four if Jimmy Butler is is okay. I think we'll take a game in, in Miami as well. It's we it'll be it'll be a really really tough. I will hate it to lose game seven at home, but yeah, you know this series to me feels like feels like it now. It feels like it's going seven. Um, I still I still feel like the Knicks could pull this out, and ultimately, yeah. if they get Randall back you know, next game, and he's 70 to 80% of his normal self. I think that puts him in a good spot. This Jimmy thing is a big is a big wild card, right? If he's down, like, what do they go to on offense? Is Do you run everything through Bam? Do you, do you let Gabe Vincent cook? Like, do you, do you give it to – put in the hands of Kyle Lowry? I mean, it's just – this team, when you look at them – again, I said it before, when you look at them on paper, man, it's just like, you know, they're giving Haywood Highsmith – uh, meaningful minutes. Duncan Robinson, who can't defend, you know, a leaf is, is kind of getting, uh, you know, big major playoff run here. And, Caleb you know, Martin, yeah, I mean, yeah, Caleb Martin, Cody Zeller, you know, it's just like these guys, you know, who, yeah. So like uh, from a roster talent perspective, you know, Knicks should be able to hold their own against these guys. And they had a bad first game. And, you know, I think you're seeing the excellence of Spolstra here, you know, how good he really is. Absolutely. And uh, that could be the difference in the series, him just being a better coach right now than Thibodeau. Um, but, yeah, man, it's 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 frustrating because it's right there for you if you're the Knicks, right? I'm sure the Heat probably feel this way, too. They probably think that they probably would have rather played us than the Cavaliers, right? But... You just like for us, it's right there, man. Like this team missing their best shooter in Tyler Hero, and now Jimmy's kind of hobbled. Man, there is not a better chance to get to the conference final. And if like I know Embiid is going to miss the first game tonight against Boston, yeah. Um, you know, if you get Boston in the conference final, theoretically, you know, you would be looking against a team that you've done pretty well against. You know, this year that. And more importantly, quickly has done really well against this year if you want to get him out of his slump, right? And you know, but, put him in against Boston. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, but if you're like to uh, keeping it to this series, you know, Julius has played really well against the Heat this year. And I think him being back is the most important thing. You gotta have him, not just from his scoring per- per- uh perspective, but giving Obi back to the bench, giving Hart back to the bench so they could kind of get things back to normal and again attracting that gravity to keep to open up the lane for Brunson and Barrett a little bit to kind of get get bam out of that action a little bit right and not that's only that I mean not not only that to Brunson and Barrett it's 
if you if Bam has to guard Julius Randle, who's left to stop Mitchell Robinson from grabbing all those rebounds? Is it Kevin Love who's gonna out hustle at the, at this age, Mitchell Robinson? I mean, it's you know, it's uh, we need him. I mean, all NBA two time All Star. We need the that the the men to play, and we need Obi off the bench because the. Even against the Cavs game, the, the Cavs games, it, the, the bench unit with RJ Barrett, of course, that second unit is it was Obi, Josh Hart, and RJ were doing all the work. So we need that going again. And uh, well, Obi just does you, you said it. Obi just doesn't give that presence inside to on the on the on offense. You know, it's, it's that, annoying because it goes strong. Yeah, it's annoying because Obi gives you the transition game, right? You know, the, the outlet pass stuff and the spacing as well, you know, and uh, but the issue being is like he doesn't have that that gravity to free up the lane when you got multiple guys. You could throw an IQ into this and Quentin Grimes, who likes to do the little shot fake drive move. And, you know, so if you uh, are not going to get those guys out of the paint and, uh, and not make them pay on threes, then... You know, you're in for a long uh, or actually a short series that will see you, uh, you know, home quite sooner rather than later. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, schedule here for the rest of the series. So we got game two tomorrow. I believe game three is not until Saturday. So um, yeah, it's a big gap. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty big gap to get to South Beach. <clears throat> Sorry. And um, so we'll see what how that shakes out. Uh, we'll kind of get a get a feel. Uh, for the heat and uh, how, how they're doing. I guess last question before we kind of toss over to another topic here off is, you know, this game too has to be looked at as a must win, right? Well, absolutely. If uh, you go down 2-0 at home, it's, uh, it's over. I don't think we have a, against a, a, a again, an experienced hit, hit team. Oh, they can get it done. It's, uh, I mean, it's, Jimmy Butler's been oh, well. He if he if he isn't injured, he will have a great game. If he had it against the Bucks and Giannis and everyone, he will have it against us. Even if Josh Hart is guarding him, I mean, if he goes off, he goes off. He was still making good shots with Josh Hart guarding him. So hmm. uh, I think it's a month. We need to go at this game just like the well, the Cavs went game two against us. We need to yeah. go full force just. Just uh, have have a good first half again, but then can be able to continue that from the second half because we know what to expect now from the the Heat guarding us. They're they're going into that zone. We need to break that. We need to be able to break that. Yeah, and that's I mean, uh, it's, uh, yeah, that's that's gonna be the adjust. key. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's the second round of the playoffs, man. There's no, you know, you know your opponent. You're not gonna take anybody by surprise. So you gotta, you know be able to see what they're throwing at you and, you know, be able to kind of like the the whole not attacking Jimmy Butler thing is the big one, you know, because they had five minutes to do it and couldn't really do it, you know? So uh, that's props that, that's on, on, on the heat for, for protecting him as well. I mean, yeah, absolutely. For sure. But I mean, I, I don't get it. All right. So let's uh, close out this week's episode with a little bit of a fun debate I've seen online. Shout out Papa left. Um, so <laughs> there's a few high profile Knicks fans out there, you know, think of Ben Stiller, 
obviously people think of Spike Lee, uh, Fat Joe as well is another kind of prominent Nick fan. Um, you know, there, there's a bunch of them that come to the garden pretty frequently. Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan, he's there basically every game, yeah. And But the ones who have gotten a lot of spotlight lately are Stephen A. Smith and uh, actor Michael Rappaport. So, you know, Stephen A. Smith has been on the record kind of just dissing the Knicks, even as, as recently as February of this year, said that if the Knicks were, were to play the Heat in the series, he'd like the Heat more, you know, type of thing. Um, Rappaport famously was at at a Nets game in, in a KD jersey, you know, an alleged Knicks fan kind of thing. Um, but now, you know, they're kind of saying, Oh, I'm I'm a fan now. I'm back to I'm back on the on the squad type thing, right? So, and of course, a lot of fans on, on Nick Twitter for uh for certain have kind of uh said you know, you guys switched up, no coming back, so on and so forth. So to you, if somebody high profile like that is doing that and they want to come back to, to cheer on the team, what's your opinion or take on that? Well, it's these guys, well, they, they're the ones to me that give a bad rap to Knicks fans because mm-hmm. they're the ones going on TV talking to uh, Stephen A. Smith, and especially Stephen A. Smith going out there and being all crazy about the Knicks. I mean, he can be a fan of the Knicks. I don't, I don't say he's not a fan of the Knicks, uh, it, but uh, he does, to me, he's an actor as well a bit. Hmm. He's acting on that show. To me, it's uh, what he does. I've said it on the on the pod before. It's different to hear him on in, in on first take than on his pod that he does. Hmm. Other, it's completely different. So, so, but you, you use that. You use the Knicks. You clown the Knicks to get get relevance in some way because. Uh, Oh, he's the most known, a uh, most well-known Knicks Knicks fan, Stephen A. Smith. And you mentioned Spike Lee. Spike Lee is not innocent of that. He's going into onto ESPN first take, talking about his access and whatever, and, and talking trash about Dolan and everyone else. I mean, you said it. Knicks sell you, the clicks. Everybody is going to going to to buy into the Knicks fans. You want to read what's happening, and the non Knicks fans want to read because they want to laugh about the, the this uh, franchise, the New York Knicks, this laugh of a franchise, and they don't help. So, but if you go on national television and you talk all that crap about the Knicks and how how bad they are and how terrible it is there, don't come back. Just don't come back when they're bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said it on Twitter uh, this week. I would, okay, Stephen A. Smith is not worse to me than Rappaport. Rappaport is the, if you want to clown the Knicks, you're a well-known Knicks fan, you want to clown the Knicks and everyone just going into Nets games with Nets gear and not talk about the Knicks for months and months, and now you show up again? Please, don't, don't, just... The nerve of these stations is to invite him to talk about the Knicks. I mean, he's not—he's not a Knicks fan. People don't respect him in the Knicks community. I mean, you bring up Michael Rappaport to talk about the Knicks. No Knicks fans are going to tune to see that because 
They don't care about the guys talking about the Knicks. Bring a Tracy Morgan. Bring a Ben Stiller. People actually respect those guys. Mm-hmm. Even Spike Lee. Spike Lee some, I mentioned Spike Lee in a more negative way, but Spike Lee is always there at the Garden. The players respect him. How long have you seen Stephen A. Smith and Michael Rappaport at the Garden? Oh, uh, uh, Rappaport, I can't remember. I know Stephen A. Smith was there beginning of last year, and then they got beat down by, I can't remember, I think they're playing Memphis. And they, they got beat down, and uh, he was like, oh, I'm never coming to the Garden again, you know, after that. Yeah, I mean, he knows he's not, if he comes to the Knicks, if, if the Knicks show him uh, on, on TV or on the screen, he's going to get booed. Mm. He doesn't want that. He knows that. He doesn't. He doesn't want that. Remember a few a few years ago uh, with Fraz, he t- tweeted at him and he said, "Shut the hell up! I've been a Knicks fan for years." Like he knows fans always give him trash about when he talks about the Knicks. He's a fake fan. Yeah. I mean, even I don't know uh, Max <clears throat> Kellerman. He says he's not a Knicks fan anymore. He he will only be a Knicks fan when Dolan sells the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least he has a reason. Okay, I'm not a Knicks fan until Dolan sells the team. Can you agree? Can you can agree or disagree? But that's his reasoning. And he stuck to it. You know, he stuck to that yeah. to that reasoning. Yeah, he said it. He, he kept it. But these guys clowning the Knicks every minute they have. I mean, that's Stephen A. Smith. Oh, you should bench R.J. Barrett. And then he plays well. He should thank me. Knicks fans should, should thank me. Get the hell out of here. Ah, oh, that was a, an egregious comment. <laughs> Knicks fans should thank me. Yeah. It's ridiculous. You can tell he just says things to be tweeted about or talked about on social media. It's to me that's as a fan, it doesn't sit it doesn't sit right with us. I mean, at least with me. So that's why uh all in with Papa Left going get after uh, uh Michael Rappaport and all the fake fans, all in it. He has the green light to do whatever he wants this, uh, t- to them. So I feel like us as like prominent Knicks fans on Twitter, right? Like people were like on Twitter a lot, on Knicks Twitter a lot. So like we know guys like Papa Left, for instance. Yeah. We're kind of, we're a little gatekeeper-y. We're kind of gatekeepers on who could be yeah. a fan, who can't be a fan. Oh, if you weren't here... For the Clee Anthony early minutes, then don't come at me now for the Julia good Julius Randall minutes, right? You know, so um, if you didn't if you didn't witness a, a washed Baron Davis, you know, uh, in a Knicks uniform, then you don't count, type thing, right? And I don't really feel that way. I get that not everybody is a loyal fan, but that that's one thing. Like Joe Schmo from the Bronx, who decides he wants to watch the Knicks again because they're good, yeah, good for him. You know, that's fine. But when you have a platform like Rappaport does, like Spike Lee does, like Stephen A. Smith does, like all these famous people, and you're just going to go out of your way to trash a team that you allegedly root for, you know, it's just like, and then like go away from them. And then all of a sudden when things are good, you want to come back over, you know, it's just, it also doesn't sit right with me because you guys use this team for fodder to gain clicks and all this stuff for years. You're re- like, I, I get mad at the Knicks all the time, man. I would never go that low. You know, like, like, like again, and I've witnessed a lot of bad years, you know, a lot of lean years in the 2000s and 2010s, you know, and, and, you know, these guys kind of made a, made a profit off of 
talking shit about the team, talking shit about Dolan, talking shit about whatever coach or GM was, was, you know, employed by Madison square garden at that point. So no, I, I don't really, you know, so when they start, so when you see Stephen A. Smith post a video on Twitter, Oh, orange and blue skies, you know, and they're just like, because you, what he's setting it up for is when the Knicks inevitably lose that they will, you know, be getting a, you know, like the, the whole update stuff. Right. You know, like, it's like, oh, how good are these Knicks now, Stephen A. Smith, you fucking bum? You know, that kind of thing. It was like, this is why the Knicks suck, blah, blah, blah. And Stephen A. Smith especially is is the face of ESPN. Like, that, that has to be understood. Like, he does so much shit on ESPN. He's on, like, NBA pregame shows. He does, like, football stuff. He, does, he obviously has first take, you know, and he does all this stuff. And... You know, so when you give somebody like that, that big of a platform on the biggest sports uh, channel in the U.S., you know, and he's just over there clowning this team and and getting clowned on for his team. You know, at least like Kendrick Perkins has been consistent, you know, like he's liked us through this season since day one, you know, and when you call Stephen A on this, Stephen A gets defensive. But the fact is, Stephen A didn't believe in this team, you know, and. So it does definitely rub me the wrong way when, like, I, I, I have a hard time. Like, I feel like when you get international, you you got to check your fandom at the door. I'll give you an example. So, you know, like, I I do a lot of uh, writing for Off the Ball Network, right? Very, very rare. I post an article there every single week, you know. Check it out. You'll see it every there every week. Very rarely do I ever talk about the Knicks or the Giants. Like, I've never written one article about the Giants. I wrote one article for them about the Knicks. Why? Because I, I can't take bias out of it. I care too much. You know what I mean? So if you're just going to kind of go on national TV and just start being like, oh, yeah, go the orange and blue skies, Nixon six, whatever, you know, and then but at the same time, make fun of the people outside of the garden after they win a playoff game. Like it just it just rubs me the wrong way, man. Like I'm not going to try to police him, tell him how to fan, you know, do what you want to do, obviously. Oh, yeah. But it just doesn't sit right with me. So whenever I see those, like, you know, I get those tweets that pop up on the timeline be all like, oh, Stephen A. Smith thinks this about the Knicks. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Not going to watch it. Or Wait. Skip and Shannon. Oh, yeah. So Michael Rappaport weighing in about the Knicks. Don't care. You know, I'm not going to give it the oxygen because, you know, if you really stand on the fact that these guys are clowns and they don't they they don't represent us. Right. Which is how we all feel. Then don't retweet their stuff. Don't like the tweet. Don't reply to the tweet. Don't give it any oxygen. Let it die on the vine. You know. That's the thing that annoyed me. It super annoyed me. Like everybody, you said on Nick Twitter, just shits on Stephen A. Smith and whatever he does mm-hmm. and whatever he says. Oh, he's not a Knicks fan. He doesn't care. His opinion is not valid. The minute he talked bad, Jeff talked poorly about R.J. Barrett, he was right. Everybody was rooting. See, Stephen A. Smith says this. Who cares what Stephen A. Smith says? He doesn't watch Knicks games. He watched two Knicks games in the playoffs. He watched, I mean, I said it on, on Twitter. He watched as many Knicks games this season as Maria did. She watched zero. Yeah. I mean, he didn't want he doesn't watch Knicks games. He doesn't see it. And Probably see the highlights like some mm. casual fan. It, it's it's okay, but don't go on national TV talking about a team that you know nothing about. And whatever you t- and you can see whatever the, there's talk on not, um, national TV about the Knicks, it all comes back to the same conversations, the same topics because that that's what people know about the Knicks: Cl- clown franchise, 
haven't won a series in how many years, haven't been in the playoffs for how long, for so long. It's always the same conversations, the same thing. You were talking about how you went to the uh, the, the bar to watch the game and the guys behind you were talking about, I hate Knicks fans, I hate this. Mm-hmm. That's what they know about the Knicks. That's mm-hmm. all they know. Like They don't know anything else about the 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 the, the way that the state of the franchise the players it's what what is, is on tv and Stephen a smith helps that i mean remember that the at the draft when they, they had Stephen a smith and spike lee commenting on the uh the, oh, the draft God. yeah for the knicks and the knicks picked i think it was Diang, but it was for a trade and they both got on their knees just going oh like why why you that know, trade was made to get Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Now what? You know what kind of uh, what this reminds me of is you know Chris Herring, who you know wrote the book in your background there, Blood in the Garden. Um, he, uh, I was listening to him on the Low Post a few weeks ago, and he was kind of talking about uh, the, the Knicks got brought up, obviously, because they were kind of previewing the Cleveland series or whatever, and yeah. he was like, you know. He's like, yo, you wrote this book, you know, you got a rooting interest. He's like, you know, I grew up a Knicks fan, blah, blah, blah. You know, I watched those teams. But, you know, once you go start writing, because he writes for Sports Sports Illustrated, once you write national, you can't go back to that. You got to give up the team, you know. And so sometimes I feel like guys like Stephen A., guys like Rappaport are kind of having their cake and eating it too, but more so Stephen A. Um, Because, like, how are you going to just cover the NBA as a whole and and then, like – cherry pick when you're a fan of a team it's just very weird to me like you see this with prominent lakers fans as well you know so it's not just like Stephen a smith there's other people who do this but yeah i just uh, i think like eventually you have to kind of let that go if you're going to have a national platform like that and i think nick fans are right to kind of you know say yeah we don't really accept you i mean but the way he's gonna look at it is like i don't care if you accept me or not i'm a root for this team regardless right so you know that's that's his prerogative but especially the first take with Stephen A. Smith, it's less of a uh, sports comment commentary uh, program, mm-hmm. more of a um, sensationalist. Or how do you say it? Um, I think it's I think for the media. For let's have some fun. Like he's thinking about what are the two things Stephen A. Smith is known about: Knicks and trashing Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys in the yeah, NFL. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's it. How about them cowboys? You're wearing a hat and everything, and the collab- yeah, yeah. that's what he's known for, right? Like the the the, the crap. It's not about sports. It's about making fun, and people just, just entertainment, that. man. They, it's entertainment, right? You know, that's it, all this. exactly entertainment value. I don't know what what, what I tried to say before, uh, um, but it is. It's entertainment. It's not sports informative. You have a lot of a lot better shows to, to, for that. I mean, you talked about Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick Perkins actually tries to talk as well. Sometimes he's talking out of his out of his ass, but he gives his opinion on sports and what what is happening with the teams. Hmm. And right. this, even the guests they have, it's like just have some fun, just not talk about the sports and the games itself. I mean, skip Bayless and uh, uh, Shannon do that more than uh, than Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's we, uh, it's funny, man. We shout on them enough. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's enough. I think uh, that's enough for 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 one episode, right? 
Um, you know, but I, I do want to say for us, like for Knicks fans, you know, it's you got podcasts like ours. You got, you know, Knicks, fan, Knicks Film School, Knicks Fan TV, uh, Nickish, you know, all these, you know, even like the Twitter spaces that friend of the pod Brutus likes to, to host. Right. You know, you got a lot of other ways to get your Knicks content. It doesn't have to be ESPN or Fox Sports one, you know, and that's to me the, the thing. So Knicks fan wilding. I can't forget to mention our boys, Mario and Don Juan and Zebo, you know, and uh, um, so there's a lot of ways to get your Knicks fix, you know, and it doesn't like I said, it doesn't have to be through Stephen A. Smith or Michael Rappaport or Skip Bayless or Shannon Sharp or whatever the case may be. And so just kind of remember that next time you want to consume some content about the Knicks. Uh, but that is going to wrap it up for another episode of the Worldwide Knicks podcast. Uh, Omar Rafa here with you. So if you guys uh, liked what you heard, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe and rate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that handle is at Podcast, where Rafa likes to complain about people talking about bad about R.J. Barrett, <laughs> which I agree with. And R.J. should not have been criticized after yesterday. So, uh, But that's another edition of the pod done. We will see you guys next week after games two and three to recap those games. And hopefully we're talking about a 2-1 series lead, man. You know, and uh, oh, we there you go. Yeah, right. And we're not staring down the barrel of a sweep, you know. So uh, let's let's put that good idea. Yeah, I know. Right. All right. So why, Omar? Why? <laughs> on behalf of Rafa, it's Omar signing out. Another episode of Worldwide Knicks. We'll see you guys next week and go Knicks.